December 24th on Hollis Ave after dark When I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear Looked at his dog, oh my god, an ill reindeer But then I was yelling cause a man had a beard And a bag full of goodies for the clock had neared So I turned my head a second and the man was gone But he left his driver's wallet smack dead on the lawn I picked the wallet up but then I took the pause Forgot the license and it cold said Santa Claus A million dollars in it cold, hundreds of G's Enough to buy a boat and a matching car with ease But I never steal from Santa cause that ain't right So I'm going home to mail it back to him at night But when I got home I bugged cause under the tree Was a letter from Santa and the door was for me Hello everyone and welcome to another round of prospect rankings Within the Cardinals organization at each individual position uh, again, just more nonsense words that say I'm ranking positions within the Cardinals organization. I'm your host. Uh, you know me well by now. I am Kyle Reese of her Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. One more time, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. I, also, on top of that, I think that you guys have really enjoyed it. We've had a lot of positive feedback about what we're doing here. Uh, and just thank you so much. Again, hit me up on Twitter at KYLER416. DM me or just hit me up uh, if you have any thoughts or comments. I love the dialogue, as you know, from watching Prospects After Dark. Also, uh, if you feel more comfortable with the email, you can always email me at kyler416 at yahoo.com. Today is a little different. Uh, today we are going to go over what I am calling the utility players. Uh, there are a couple reasons why I decided to do this. One, because I think it gives me an opportunity to write about some of the, the, the more talented prospects in the organization players that I otherwise might not have gotten a chance to write about had we broke them up into second basemen or shortstops. Uh, so that's reason number one. Reason number two is the Cardinals, uh, uh, I've been told, but also you can see, have made a, a concerted effort to turn their utility players into true utility players. Uh, you're seeing less common, you're seeing it become less common where you have second basemen who only play second or third basemen who only play third, uh, other than our our are, are four, uh, Mendoza, Nunez, Montero, Mondo, Mendoza doesn't count, uh, but uh, uh, Montero, Nunez, and Gorman, they're kind of in their own separate pack, that's why we left them alone, the first basemen are in their own pack, that's why we left them alone, but what you're seeing is, like, these outfielders now, get are these utility players get time in the outfield, get time at third, get time at short, get time at second, I will say that there are a couple true second basemen in the organization. We will get to those guys. Uh, those guys have only played si short. It seems like that's where they're going to stick. Uh, again, we'll, we'll note that when we get to that, and it's also noted in the article. Uh, so I, it just seemed like the right thing to do to highlight 10 guys, and I think it turned out to be 14 or maybe even 15. It could be 16 guys uh, that have the, the ability to play in a utility role for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, even guys who played short uh, primarily in the Cardinals organization are coming up to the, the coming up to the major leagues and playing positions that they've hardly ever played. When Paul DeYoung made his major league debut, uh, you know, he played primarily pi primarily third and short. And then when the Cardinals brought him up, he played almost exclusively second base for his first month in the major leagues. Uh, same thing with Tommy Edmond. You know, Tommy Edmond comes up to the majors. He had played almost primarily third base or uh, primarily shortstop in the Cardinals organization. And then he'd make him a utility player, had 16 innings or something like that in the outfield, and gets more time out in the outfield than anywhere. So even players who are, are more primarily shortstop, you're, you're seeing come up to the major leagues and play in a more util like utilitarian role. Uh, so that's what I think that we're going to see, and I think that that's going to be 
the the standard moving forward. And I wanted to highlight that. And it also gives me a chance to preface that this might be the new reality within the Cardinals organization. Uh, and maybe it's something that we can prepare for and we can prepare for together. Uh, just like with all of our other lists, we have a graduate. And then we have, well, all of the lists but third base. Uh, we have a graduate. And then we have some honorable mentions. I'm going to go over the list. I'm going to give it to you uh, right away. And then we'll get to the other stuff later. Uh, it is, our graduate is Edmundo Sosa. Our number one is and now uh, well number one is Ramon Urias, number two is Brendan Donovan, number three is Mateo Gill, number four is Yariel Gonzalez, uh, uh, number five is Kramer Robertson, number six is Irving Lopez, number seven is Chandler Redman, number eight is Juan Yepes, number nine is Raider Ascanio, number ten is Delvin Perez, uh, and then our honorable mentions are Max Schrock, Amaldo Diaz, uh, Liam Sabino. Uh, uh, Martin Figuero and uh, Ramon Mendoza, who doesn't even get a write-up. He just gets a quick little, hey, how are you? Welcome to welcome to the list kind of thing. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, uh, I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, the graduate is Edmundo Sosa. Now, you guys know Sosa. He's been on the Cardinals 40-man now for three seasons. Uh, the rumor is he's going to get a fourth option year. That happens based on time up, time down. Uh, Cardinals just jockeying service time, but... It's a loophole that they'll be able to to utilize, uh, something that they'll be able to get away with. Edmundo is still only 23 years old, uh, and the you know Edmundo is a really good defensive player. He plays a really good defensive third, short, and second base. Uh, you know, some people think he's best suited for shortstop. I think he's just as capable at every position. Edmundo also has a swing that capitalizes on people that are trying to pitchers that are trying to beat him down in the zone. Uh, he can pretty well do anything with the pitch down in the zone. Inside, outside, breaking pitch, change up, fastball. It doesn't really matter. And he also has this uncanny ability of making his swing, which isn't inside out, become inside out. Uh, and it allows him to push the ball down the right field line or, or hit the ball into the right field gap. It's kind of an impressive swing with impressive pop. And I believe that he generates most of that pop with his hands because he has really quick hands at the plate. Uh, Edmundo's also a really fun guy. Uh, he's fun to watch in the dugout. He's fun to watch in the clubhouse. Uh, the, the brass tax for Edmundo Sosa for me is, you know, with, uh, with Tommy Edmund filling a, a specific role for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, a, a role that if they didn't have him, they would rely on Gyro Munoz for, uh, I think that Edmundo Sosa is better suited for that 25th or 26th man spot on, on the roster. He does more defensively uh, and by a long shot. He's a substantially better third baseman, shortstop, and second baseman than Gyro is. Uh, no doubt about it. It is without debate. I also think it could be argued that Edmundo has more actual pop than uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Munoz has like I, I think that he has more doubles pop more power uh, uh, potentially uh, in game power than than Munoz has and I think that that's valuable off the bench as well uh, I, I I like I guess the short of the long here is I like Sosa better for Munoz's current role than I like Munoz for it. Tommy Edmund makes that all possible. Uh, so I would say that I think there's a chance, if it's a truly open competition, that the best thing for the Cardinals, and maybe even a potentially likely thing, is Edmundo Sosa heads north with the team in spring training, if he can put up a good spring, uh, and, and maybe Gyro's eventual role is to be at AAA to start the year, continue to work on his defensive acumen, because he is a poor defender uh, pretty well anywhere, 
Uh, and he's never been given enough time at third base on a regular basis to prove that that's his best position, which is what I believe his best position to be. Uh, so that's our graduated Mundo Sosa. You've known him forever. I mean, we've been writing about him since he was a 16-year-old. Uh, he has a large stat line. There's not a whole lot more to say about him. I like him a lot. I think he's a great, you know, last man off the bench. And as I say in the article, if guys like Donovan Solano and Bravik Valera can kick around the major leagues for a couple of years, uh, Donovan Solano's been in the league forever, then there's no reason to think that Edmundo Sosa can't stick around for equally as long, if not longer. Uh, the other thing before we get into the actual list, as we do the utility it makes it, and again, I, I'll probably call them utility infielders. They really are utility fielders, especially as these guys get more time uh, in the outfield. Uh, but it's a little bit more difficult to do. It's a little bit more difficult to like gauge what is more valuable than what. So this is very much a list of just like the guys that I prefer, uh, the guys that I like, and maybe in the order that I like, aside for Kramer Robertson, who I just tried to put in a spot that I thought was respectful to the season that he had we'll get to that in just a little bit number one on our list is 25 year old Ramon Urias uh, Urias plays a little second plays a little short plays a little third he's not a particularly great fielder in any position uh, you'd want him to stay at second base as frequently as possible but the Cardinals view this uh, advanced age 25 year old uh, who has a career had like a standout career in the Mexican League for a couple years um, they, they, you, they'd be best suited to keep him at second base for as long as possible. Uh, Urias's stats on the year were not that impressive. Uh, in 375 at-bats uh, at AAA or plate appearances at AAA, he hit 263 with a 369 on base percentage. Uh, his WRC plus at AAA was 97. Now, Urias missed a bit of time. Uh, and that really, really hurt his stats. But when he came back, uh, I guess you, what I'm getting at, it didn't hurt his stats. Being hurt obviously did not hurt his stats. But from the minute he came back off the aisle uh, on July 13th, he was a completely different hitter than the hitter that we saw uh, entering his IL stint. From July 13th, uh, he hit 310 with a 391 on base percentage, seven home runs, 14 doubles, and 184 plate appearances. His K rate was about 20.7%, but his walk rate was 10.9% in that time span. Uh, what we saw in particular was Urias, who can really, maybe the thing that impresses me the most about Urias is the what he can get to on and off the plate. Um, we saw him hit with authority uh, instead of, again, being defensive, getting aggressive, using his swing in an aggressive manner and trying to slug the ball. And that really worked out for him. You know, uh, the other issue is I want to talk about, you know, his his the, the positive strides he took after July 13th. Uh, the reason I put him first is because he is the most major league ready of this group. And I know that that's kind of a shitty way of doing it. Uh, but when you're talking about a 25-year-old who is seasoned in other leagues uh, that can play a position second base right away with good pop uh, and a decent approach when he's feeling it, um, that's good. But as I was going to say a second ago, talking about after July 13th, one thing that needs to be mentioned is all of the Memphis hitters really started hitting after July 13th. Uh, I don't know what the cause was. Um, it's really interesting that kind of coincides with uh, Joe Bell Jimenez coming up to 
to the major league level with Mark Budaska getting fired. I don't think the two are related at all, but it is interesting that all of the Memphis hitters started hitting at about that same time. Uh, when we get to Max Schrock, we'll go over that in a second. But uh, So I just wanted to say, as good as he was, it was also kind of a theme for Memphis. Again, I don't know what it was, but it was a theme for Memphis. Uh, we went over his defense. The, the bottom line is uh, he's okay. You know, he's an okay defender. Uh, he's an okay uh, uh, bat who does some really interesting things. He probably strikes out too much. But there is like a potential major league route for him, especially because he has a 40 man. Uh, and also because the number two guy on this list, I didn't have the balls to put number one on the list. Uh, and I needed a buffer a little bit, just to be completely honest with you. No, I, that's, that's a, that is a joke. Uh, I really do. This is one of those where I was like, I was trying to be as objective as possible uh, while also projecting a little bit. So Ramon Urias, 25-year-old, primarily a second baseman in my eyes, can play third and short, uh, is number one on our list. Number two on our list is where this gets to be a lot of fun. Uh, Soon-to-be 23-year-old Brendan Donovan plays second and third. Now, uh, Brendan Donovan was at Peoria for nearly the entire year, except for his last game of the year, which was a promotion to Memphis. He played almost exclusively second base in 2019, but he has played third, and I have it on good authority that he feels comfortable at short. Now, I don't know what that means. Uh, Maybe he's uh, minor league Paul DeYoung over there. I don't know. But he can play short, uh, and he has played third, and he's a pretty decent third baseman from all indications, everything that I've heard. It's just the Cardinals moved him a second, and uh, it looks like he's kind of on the Andy Young train to potential major league debut. Uh, you'll remember Andy Young is one of our favorite second basemen who found his way to the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Paul Goldschmidt trade. Um, uh, uh, let me, I'm going to write something down real fast while I'm thinking of it. Um, <laughs> sorry, God, I'm the worst. Uh, anyway, so when you look at his season stats at in the Midwest League, Donovan had a WRC plus of 131. His batting average was 266, and his on-base percentage was 377. Uh, he struck out 19% of the time, walked 13.1% of the time, and about 480 plate appearances. All very, very acceptable numbers. His uh, his OPS puts it, you know, right at 384. Five-ish, 380, or 380, 780-785-ish. Again, you would want that number to be higher. But what I'm going to tell you is um, Mr. Mr. Donovan had a really solid April. And then for the first three months of May, he struggled. I mean, it was ugly. Uh, in, in those 73-ish plate appearances, he hit 154, 247, 231. Not good at all. He also struck out about 34% of the time. Uh, he he was getting used and abused. They were starting to use the shift on him, and he wasn't just letting his swing do its thing. Uh, but what we saw in 335 plate appearances from May 21st until the end of the season, he hit 299, 412 with a 460 slug. That, that was six home runs, 21 doubles, and three triples. Uh, over that time period, his K rate dropped to 17.3% and his walk rate went up to 14.9. From May 21st until the last game of the season, 
335 plate appearances, what I believe to be 75 of his 115 games, something like that, his WRC Plus was 155. If you take out that three-week span from the beginning of May until May 20th, his WRC Plus goes up to 160, uh, like 162, I believe, somewhere around 160. He got beat up in the month of May for the first three weeks, and it definitely skewed how productive of a hitter he was. And we're talking about a guy whose WRC Plus was 133 on the season. Keep that in mind. Uh, in April, he, or in April, in August, he struggled. And again, I'm sorry about all these mistakes. I, I'm such an idiot. Um, in August, he struggled a little bit. His batting average dipped a little bit, but his on-base percentage stayed at 360. Uh, struck out, strikeout rate was right about... 15% and his walk walk rate stayed right about that same number. It was really impressive. You know, what you'll see in the gifts is how nice his swing is. Once he adjusted to the shift and started poking the ball to the opposite field, that's ironically when his power really struck. And then also teams didn't know how to adapt to this guy who was hitting to all fields. Uh, I like Donovan a lot. You know, you watch him and he just does the little things that make you believe that he's has that staying power. That he could be like the next prospect in a big trade like Andy Young. Or he could be on the same track as Andrew Kisner or Paul DeYoung. Guys who were drafted, you know, past the, uh, the, the first three rounds of the draft, first four rounds of the draft that make their way in, into a major league debut uh, with potential to be more than just a guy who makes a major league debut. I really liked his ability to adjust on the fly. You know, I definitely would have liked for the August numbers to be a little bit better with Slug. His on his OPS was below 700 in August, but that should go to show you just how dynamite he was once he made the adjustment after May 20th. And you could see him making the adjustment leading into May 20th and May 21st. Uh, but he's just a really good hitter. He's a very, very good second baseman, too. You know, he's not super flashy. Uh, all, again, all the things that we would say about Andy Young, we would say about Brendan Donovan, except for Donovan doesn't have the flashy over-the-wall power that Andy Young has, but he definitely substitutes it for doubles power. Doubles power that I could definitely see sticking around. Uh, what we need to see... Uh, what we need to see mostly out of Donovan in 2020 is we need to see him continue to hit this way. You know, he, he's an advanced hitter uh, at the at the uh, Peoria, the Midwest level, uh, the A level, the low A level. We need to see him be challenged. I want the Cardinals to start him off at double A. I, he has to start at Springfield. Do not mess around and send him to Palm Beach. It's a waste of time. You know, he's going to be 23 uh, in 2020. He's capable of making the adjustments on the fly this is the type of player that needs to start at Springfield and you know what you can always change on the fly you can always adjust on the fly but put him at Springfield let's see what he can do in the Texas League let's challenge him and let's see where he goes from there uh, again not necessarily the flashiest uh, but you know he's not going to get beat by tough righties he's not going to get beat by tough lefties he's going to have a great at bat pretty frequently and I just really like this player you know you look at the list and you see a lot of guys who are either old for their level, uh, who are repeating a level, or are super young for their level, uh, or haven't been in the organization long enough to really have a feel for. Donovan had a great 2019 season. It was way under the radar. And I really believe that it's a good springboard, a good platform uh, for a breakout 2020. Brendan Donovan is my guy, uh, and I'm really hoping that he proves me right. Number three on our list, 19-year-old Mateo Gill. Now, Mateo Gill is one of two true shortstops on the list. Uh, there are some varying reports about his ability to stay at short. I'll say the same thing about Mateo Gill that I said about Nolan Gorman. Uh, not as confidently, but I'll say it. 
you can't commit to a 19-year-old uh, ability to stay at shortstop at this point. Uh, it's just it's impossible. He's athletic enough for it. He has some footwork issues that need to be ironed out. I'm sure he'll get there. Uh, I'm not willing to give up on him just yet. There are some people who say that it could happen. Uh, I'm not there yet. We'll wait and see. Again, I'm not as confident that he's going to stick it short as I am, that Nolan Gorman's going to stick it third, or Alaris Montero's going to stick it third. Uh, but I believe that with the right amount of, of commitment, which he is a committed kid, he's a smart kid, he could definitely stick it short. He's athletic enough for it. Uh, the thing that I say about Gill, first and foremost, and we'll get to Delvin Perez soon enough, but what I like most about Mateo Gill is he is the stronger version of Delvin Perez. He's built uh, with the type of muscle and body structure that we've been asking Delvin Perez to be built, like to put on his frame for years. Uh, there's a very good chance that this third-round pick, Mateo Gill, could end up being what we all wanted Delvin Perez to be. Uh, again, I don't mean that to beat on Delvin. I just want you to know that that's what Mateo Gill is capable of. Uh, you know, in the article, I say he's more athletic than Perez. That's not fair. He's definitely bigger and stronger, more stout. Uh, his swing generates more. His swing is more compact. Uh, uh, he keeps his hands tight. One of the issues with him is that he's a heavy pull hitter. And it's tough because you don't want to change these kids too much. You don't want to change what makes them effective at the level. Uh, you know, and Mateo Gill was effective. He had a 106 uh, WRC plus at the Johnson City level. Uh, level. Uh, Appalachian League was more than equipped for that level playing young. Uh, but he's a little too pull-happy. He's going to need to learn how to shorten that swing a little bit in order to, uh, to maximize his abilities. He's fast. He's not stolen base fast, but he's fast, and he's got to learn how to, to optimize that. Uh, you know, I haven't, uh, in the interest of being totally honest, I haven't seen enough of him with my own eyes to understand exactly how he's going to be able to change his approach to, to maximize all fields, or if even that's the best thing for him. Uh, I know that I like the pop off of his bat now. I like the little bit of slug that he has in there and the potential for slug in the future. Um, I do feel confident in saying that he's going to stick as an infielder long term. I don't know if that necessarily means eventually he goes to third base. I don't know if that means he stays at second. I just know that he's going to stay on the infield. When the Cardinals drafted him, uh, he was he was a two-way player. He could throw a little bit. He had a fastball in the low 90s and he had a good breaking pitch uh, uh, and he was projectable. Uh, but I feel confident saying that this is a guy who's going to stay an infielder. Uh, and again, it's tough to project a guy this far away from a, this this type of kid this far away from the major leagues. But he seems like the kind of kid who has a major league debut in his future. Uh, again, let's hold off. We've seen a lot of uh, a lot of really promising middle infielders do well in the Appy League, hit well in the Appy League, and then get to Peoria, get to Palm Beach, get to well, get to Peoria in particular, and really struggle. The Johnson City, the Appalachian League, is a really, really, really good hitters league. Uh, one of those low-key good hitters leagues that no one really talks about. And, it, you know, the next level, the next the next level is a big test. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hold off a little bit before uh, uh, claiming, Mateo, uh, claiming that Mateo Gill is the next, you know, what we all hope Delvin Perez would be when the Cardinals drafted Delvin Perez. But we can say that right now he's tracking well. Uh, uh, he's tracking in the right direction. Part of the reason he fell to the third round uh, to his spot in the draft was because a lot of people didn't expect him to stick it short. And I feel pretty good that he's on the right track for that. So uh, we're not going to get too much further into it. You know, uh, one thing that we would like to see, I guess, is we'd like to see his strikeout rate drop. 24% a little high. 7.6% walk rate's a little low. Uh, but I do expect that number to average out. Uh, it was just a really, really great season 
for the 19-year-old at Johnson City. So that's prospect number three, Mateo Gill. We sit, we wait, we see what kind of progress he makes this offseason, and we continue to evaluate uh, throughout the entire process. We move on to an organizational soldier that's a great story, uh, Jariel, Yariel Gonzalez. So his name is Y-A-R-I-E-L, and the Y is pronounced like a J, Jariel Gonzalez. I'm, I'm a J, I, I'm going to butcher it, and I'm sorry. Uh, he's 25 years old, played at Palm Beach, Springfield, and Memphis, and he's played everywhere but center and catcher uh, for the last two years. About midway through last year at Peoria, the the uh, the Chiefs started moving him around everywhere. He's played third, he's played second, he's played first, he's played the corner infield, uh, corner outfield spots. Uh, a little bit of short, not a lot, just enough that I can say that he's played a little bit of short. Uh, a great organizational soldier. The first thing that sticks out about his season is, you know, he was handling Palm Beach well, not doing anything fantastic. Uh, he had a WRC plus of 89. He was hitting 260 with a 312 on base percentage, uh, but he was walking 7.3% of the time and striking out only 12.8% of the time. That kind of tells us that the, the pitcher friendly environment in the Florida State League was victimizing uh, Yariel. Jariel. Uh, I'm going to try to say it, I promise. Then he gets moved to double A, and now he spends, in the middle of his stint at double A, he goes to triple A, gets a seven game stint at triple A, which does not go well for him at all. Uh, but over 56 games and 234 plate appearances, uh, Gonzalez has 11 home runs, 45 RBIs, uh, hits 274, 329, 474, with 14 with a 14% K rate and a 7.3, which has the 7.3, 7.1, 7.6, you know, right underneath 8% walk rate has been his his average. Uh that like that's the type of hitter he is. You'll notice in all of the gifts that this young man uh, has one hell of a quick swing, and he really maximizes his lower half to generate more power than you would suspect. Uh, he's his power is going to be all pull. He's not going to do much in the way of push power, uh, but he can definitely push a couple doubles here and there. Uh, you know, he's not exactly huge. My guess is he's probably like six foot tall, uh, no more than six foot, maybe six foot one. Uh, he just has a really, really nice little swing. The, the other reason that we like we like Gonzalez is because he was another undrafted free agent who went to some bullshit uh, science and arts junior college who is now probably going to start the year at AAA uh, with a chance, you know, if things get really crazy to make a major league debut. Again, I think that that's way off. I don't think I don't think it's realistic, uh, but it's something that could very well happen. Uh you know, you look at his WRC plus at Double A, one twenty, really good number. I have some crazy stat that in his over those. Uh, uh, let's see, what do I have here? It says on June twenty first, June twenty seventh through the end of July, uh, over thirty one games, one hundred and twenty seven plate appearances, he put up a WRC plus of one sixty. Uh, his strikeout weight rate was about 12. Walk rate, again, that's 7.8. Number 7.1, 7.3. His was 7.8. And that month of July, end of June, month of July, really made his stats pop. Definitely fatigued down the stretch. Had an awful month of August uh, as compared to his other months. And that really hurt him. He's a, he's a very, very average defensive fielder at third and first. Uh, he's athletic enough to make some outstanding plays. Uh same thing goes for the corner outfield positions. You wouldn't want him playing short over a long 
time period. You wouldn't want him playing second over a long time period. He's definitely a corners fielder. Uh, but it's just, again, it gives us a chance to talk about a guy who had a really, really great 2019 season, who's done everything that the Cardinals have asked him, and who got a chance to to show off his left-handed swing uh, and his ability to make a bit of an impact uh, in a positive manner. And, you know, there isn't a whole lot of, like, offensive upside here. This isn't a guy who's going to come up and be Ron Hill Ravello. He's not John Nagowski. You know, uh, uh, he's probably not Jeremy Hazelbaker or anything like that. But he's a guy who had a great 2019 season and who should be applauded for that. And I get a chance to do it. So here we are, and I'm really proud and really happy about it. Uh, and that's number four on our list, Yariel, Yariel, Yariel uh, Gonzalez. Number five on our list is second baseman slash shortstop slash third baseman slash welcome to the outfield, uh, uh, Kramer Robertson. First thing, I I do not want to put Kramer in the top 10. I don't want to, but I'm going to do it because I want to highlight that he had a very, very good 2019 season. You'll look at his stats at at AAA and be like, man, his WRC Plus was 80. He had like a 235 batting average. But you know what? He did better at that level than I thought he would, and he had surprise pop there too. And he also played a really good, uh, played a very good multiple positions. Uh, but I just I was really happy with the season he had. He was better than I thought he would be in nearly every capacity. I didn't expect eleven home runs out of him ever. I thought maybe he'd top out at five one season. But his eleven home runs were there, and they were warranted. And he's learning how to handle the inside pitch and what to do with it to maximize his power because that's the only way he's going to hit home runs is if he's hitting home runs on the inside half. He's a super patient hitter too. You know, fifteen point nine percent walk rate uh, at Double A, twelve point nine percent walk rate at Triple A. All very, very good. You know, he's patient. He's he's in there hunting for a pitch that he can do damage with. Uh, the issue is that he's limited by his stature. You know, I can't believe that this kid is five, uh, taller than 5'10". There's no way. Every bit of 5'7", 5'8". He's not very big either. He has quick hands that allow him to do some pretty impressive things with the baseball for someone his size. Uh, but he just, he can only do so much. You know, honestly, this is the kind of guy that you would want Delvin Perez to, like, buddy up with to find out how to maximize a svelte frame. Uh, One of the things that we talk about a lot with Kramer Robertson is how big his head is. He has a super big head. His body's not very big, but his head's super big. Shout out to him. Another thing about Kramer Robertson is he has a rabid fan base. I get asked about Kramer Robertson about as often as I get asked about Nolan Gorman and Dylan Carlson. I respect that. I don't understand it to save my life uh, from the former LSU shortstop, but... It's there, and it's worth talking about, I guess. The question with Kramer Robertson becomes, what kind of a fielder he is? He is a dramatic fielder. He can make some pretty show-stopping plays. Uh, uh, I would suggest that if you're talking about all of these utility players, who is the best defensively, uh, aside from our graduate, it's Kramer Robertson. The problem is, uh, even though his arm has gotten stronger from year to year since he was drafted, it's still not particularly an average tool. You know, I think if you wanted to push the boundaries, you would say he has an average arm for a second baseman and can play a corner outfield or short and third uh, uh, you know, he's he really is David Eckstein over at short, you know, modern day David Eckstein. So he's throwing a little bit harder, but everything's harder and moving faster nowadays uh, as compared to Eckstein's age. Like that's the kind of arm he has. He's going to struggle at short. He's going to need to put every last bit of butt he has into a throw to make it to beat a fast base runner. You know, uh, if he's going to make a play in the hole, he's not going to get the guy. You know, everything has to go absolutely right on a play for him to make to to be able to throw a speedy runner out at first. Uh, 
But other than that, he's got all of like the tools you would want. He's great, tremendous footwork, super agile, gets great reads off the bat. It's just that he's limited by the strength of his arm, which has gotten better year in year, uh, year in and year out. And maybe that's something that will continue. I know I'm hopeful it's something that will, will continue. Maybe he can boost that thing up to average. You just never know. You know, we see pitchers throw faster and faster. Maybe Kramer Robertson can do the same thing. I wouldn't rule him out. I know he's a tremendously hard worker. Uh, but sure, his ADWRC plus at AAA is not pretty. He had a very, very good season at AA. Got off to a hot start at AAA, too, before uh, he got worked a little bit. Uh, pitchers stayed away from him on the inner half. Uh, and when pitchers stayed away from him on the inner half, he couldn't do damage. But what did he do? He got on base, and that's how he helped his team, and that's Kramer Robertson. Kramer Robertson is a fan favorite. Uh, a, a fan favorite, he'd be an organizational favorite. And, you know, there are other guys on the list who I think have had better years. Uh, who I personally would and should put higher than him, uh, and I've I've done it on this list. He's the one guy who I could not settle on a spot for, and I just thought to myself, like this is the type of player, the work that he's put in, the way he's maximized his tools, that deserves a spot in the top five. Especially when you're talking about skills that aren't like, you know, you're talking about guys who aren't like head and shoulders above him, guys with questions too. So number five on our list is a super utility player. Uh, Kramer Robertson. Kramer's also a really good base runner. He's not super, super fast, but he's a solid base runner. You know, he's not uh, he's not going to steal a bunch of bases again. You know, maybe the Cardinals can maximize that as the Cardinals have put more emphasis on it. Uh, he doesn't get particularly great jumps. He gets great jumps in the field, doesn't get great jumps off of the pitcher, uh, but he's got the speed to steal bases if he can continue uh, uh, to, to learn how to get good jumps. Prospect number six on our list is uh, the pride of Hermosillo, uh, Mexico, who I'm sure I'm per just absolutely butchering that. It's Irving Lopez. Uh, played 24-year-old, played at Springfield in Memphis, played a little second, played a little short, played a little outfield. Uh, again, same thing goes here. He's a kick better than Ramon Urias is in the field. Uh, he, I would prefer him at short. Um, uh you know, over Urias, uh, he can definitely play second. You like him at second. More than likely, he can play third in a pinch. He has a really, really beautiful left-handed swing. It, it doesn't do a whole lot. It's got it's got more pop than you think, uh, but it, it doesn't do a whole lot. It, he's aided by a leg kick that you can tell is probably the sole producer for his his power. Solid speed on his bat. You know, nothing nothing too crazy. You know, it's funny. I, Again, as I record this, I want to go ahead and put Irving Lopez back to the five spot where I had him and move Kramer Robertson back to the six spot. Uh, but, oh, God, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So ignore that. Irving Lopez is our new five. Kramer Robertson is six. See, this is what happens. You guys talk me into it. Um, what I'm getting at is Irving Lopez had a really great year. He does a lot of really great stuff. Uh, he's not super flashy. What I know is he improved his walk rate in 2019. His strikeout rate went up a little bit, but that came with more uh, an increase in power. And I just really like Irving Lopez. Again, you know, he's he's a year younger than Ramon Urias. They're the same kind of player. I'll take Urias's bat over Lopez's, but one hits left-handed, the other one hits right-handed. You know, Lopez hitting left-handed gives him a bit of an advantage here because the Cardinals are always looking for left-handed bats. Uh, I think he plays a better shortstop. I like Urias's second base better a little bit. Uh, uh, but he's just another, like, interchangeable utility part that's super interesting. You know, it, it, he... He stays on his – like when he swings, a lot of his balance is back. He doesn't necessarily distribute his distribute his weight forward as well as I would like. 
Uh, maybe that's a small little mechanical adjust, uh, adjustment that can wait. Uh, but when he's doing that, that's when the power comes. He also has a bit of a long swing through the zone uh, that I would like to see maybe cut down just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it, it's something that maybe comes in time. Uh, he had a really great year. At AA, he had a 113 WRC+. At AAA, he had a 110 WRC+. Uh, he's just a really good player and a really exciting player who carries uh, the Mexican flag around proudly with him, which gives us a chance to tip our caps to a, a Twitter follow of mine that I really like and a guy that I like to follow, Alex Carrion Velo, uh, to to him. And, you know, just I, I just love the energy and excitement that this young man plays with, the poise that he plays with. And uh, he does a lot of the similar things that Ramon Urias does with uh, uh, maybe a little bit more flash and maybe a little bit more flair. And definitely uh, a, a lot more, uh, I guess, a, a lot more versatility. But I love that this uh, uh, Florida International University player drafted in the 19th round is a prospect. You know, in a small sample at AAA, 70 at bats or plate appearances, uh, uh, performed well and also performed really, really well at AA. So that's uh, prospect number six on our list, 24-year-old Irving Lopez. Number seven on our list is a uh, 2019 draft pick, uh, 32nd round in the 2019 draft. First baseman, second baseman, third baseman, Chandler Redmond. Now, Chandler Redmond is six foot two. He's every bit of 230 pounds. He is strong and stout and stocky, but not in a bad way. And somehow, this, this mass, massive human being can handle second base. And it's kind of impressive. He, he's a monster out there. He definitely doesn't look like he belongs at that position if you're just staring at him on the diamond. But when you watch him, he does some pretty impressive stuff, and I like him a lot. I also think that he handles first and third just fine. Uh, all the reports I've heard, too, is that he handles it just fine. If you're looking for a player drafted in 2019 uh, at the lowest levels of the minor leagues that was the most productive, it's Chandler Redmond and then Pedro Pajes, and then really no one after that from a position player standpoint. Uh, his WRC plus at Johnson City was 151. Now, it should come with the caveat that that was uh, uh, a league that he was age-appropriate for, would have liked to have seen him go to State College and, and maybe try to perform there, uh, but the opportunity didn't present himself, so it stayed at Johnson City. Uh, he's, again, there are a lot of questions about his ability to stick at second, uh, his ability to stick at third, potentially his ability to stick at first, but everything looks okay right now. Uh, I call him the recipient of the Matt Adams Award because he's uh, he comes from Garner-Webb, uh, which isn't exactly Slippery Rock, but it isn't exactly LSU. You know, he's a big boy drafted in the late rounds uh, who has a chance to, with big pop, who probably profiles best as a first baseman, who has an intriguing skill set that might fly underneath the radar for quite some time. You know, 12 home runs and 212 plate appearances, uh, 12 home runs and 12 doubles and 212 plate appearances, even at a league that he was too old and too talented for, is still really impressive. Uh, to go along with this 382 on base percentage, you know, 11% walk rate, 12% walk rate. Uh, uh, it, it just goes to show you like how dominant of a season he had after being drafted uh, at the lowest level of the minors. This is a kid who needs to be at Peoria next year. No reason to wait around there. Uh, uh, the other thing you'll find about this monster of a human being is he hits moonshots, and he is also really proud of the moonshots he hits. I like that. I like it. He plays with swagger. He plays with confidence. Uh, uh, he's just... 
Like, if you're going to draft a kid in the 32nd round, you take a 230-pound kid who hits massive bombs, who's athletic enough somehow to play second base. Like, this is the perfect 32nd round draft pick. Honestly, this is like the perfect 15th round draft pick that the Cardinals Cardinals were able to sign after drafting in the 32nd round. I love it. I don't know where it goes from here. I, I can't imagine. But I know he's fun, and I'm super rooting for him. And... If he continues to hit the way he's hitting, even with the like, even with a, a, a bloated K rate, yeah, maybe this is a guy who jumps Luke and Baker. If Luke and Baker has a setback year in 2020, which I don't anticipate, uh, he's a guy that could be really interesting. And if nothing else, in a year when the Cardinals drafted a bunch of starting pitchers, he is a. a, a, a position player that has real power uh, and is intriguing enough that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Other than that, there isn't a whole lot to say about uh, this young man uh, who just completed his first half full, uh, full uh, his first half season in the organization at 22. Other than let's get him to Peoria and let's see what he can do. That's number seven on our list. Love Chandler Redman. He has uh, some very very arbitrary uh, ties. Uh, uh, his family uh, and just uh, experiences at Bush Stadium. Uh, I'll leave that to a better storyteller. Uh, but to the, the Redmond family, uh, prospect number seven on our list is Chandler Redmond. Prospect number eight on our list, speaking of Matt Adams, uh, is Juan Yepes. Believe it or not, Juan Yepes is still only 21. He'll be 22 for the duration of uh, of, of 20, 20 season. Uh, Juan Yepes, uh, again, dr- uh, traded to the Cardinals for Matt Adams from the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Yepes was held back at extended spring training, which surprised a lot of us. I think a lot of us thought he'd start back at Palm Beach. Uh, uh, did not. Went back to start, started the year at extended spring training. Worked relentlessly in the offseason to get his degree. I think it was in a sports management. I believe that's what the degree is in. Still going to school from what I understand. Uh, working hard to finish his schooling. Uh, but... The one thing that sticks out to me about Juan Yepes is that he bulked up. Like, he is a chiseled now. He got stronger, and we saw that manifest at the plate after the Cardinals recalled him from extended spring training. Uh, he started hitting bombs. Now, uh, he started at Peoria, was really good at Peoria, didn't take him long, about 100 plate appearances to find his way to Palm Beach, was okay at Palm Beach. Uh, not like super amazing until you see his WRC plus, which was 136, which was awesome to see because he was victimized by the Florida State League in 2018, and that was part of the reason why he was held back at extended spring training. Uh, uh, then we saw him go to Double A, and in 59 plate appearances, I saw him hit two home runs, and both of those home runs were freaking moonshots. Uh, he was not cheated out of home runs. The doubles were hard-hit doubles, too. One of the home runs, I-, I was told, the exit velocity on it was above 116, like 116.8 or something like that. That's the one that I have the gif of uh, uh, in the article. Please take a look at that. Uh, he got himself into tremendous shape. It's also interesting to watch this 21, soon-to-be 22-year-old, field his position. When he was uh, acquired by the Cardinals, he was a third baseman who wasn't going to stick at third. Moved to first base. It was The question was going to be, can he hit with enough power to stick at first base? It didn't look like it. Well, two things have happened. 
Uh, he's become a decent fielder at both first and third, and he's also starting to hit for real power. Uh, both positive steps in the right direction. Do not give up on Juan Yepes yet. All of this is good. He's also moved to the outfield, and I'm not going to pretend like I have any feel for him out in the outfield just yet. Uh, I want to see more. It looks okay, but again, I don't have any feel. I, I like his arm out there. I want to see more of it before I start appraising it. Uh, I did not key in on his defensive acumen out in the outfield. I wanted to see how he was at first and third because, in my opinion, that's more important right now. Uh, but I guess... All of this is to say, you know, in 100 at-bats at Peoria, or 100 plate appearances at Peoria, he had a WRC plus of 147. In a little over 100 plate appearances at Palm Beach, he had a WRC plus of 136. In 59 plate appearances at AA, he slugged a little bit, walked enough above 8%, uh, uh, and, and had a WRC plus of 85 he was pressing a little bit at Springfield, wanted to do damage in a little bit of time, and it kind of backfired. But that is a very, very successful year uh, and a very impressive year for a player that started the year in extended spring training uh, and worked to get better defensively and get stronger. And you'll see in the gifts, this is a strong boy family. And if he continues to repeat this, uh, it's it's going to be really impressive. I think one of the things that sticks out the most is how much faster has faster and shorter his his swing has gotten. Those are like the two big reasons why we get excited about Juan Yepes, other than his offensive output in 2019. Uh, he looks like a completely different player uh, for the 250 or so at-bats, two, or 250 so plate appearances, 200 so at-bats, uh, than he did in prior years. Uh, it just looks like he made all of the right adjustments and took all of the proper steps forward that you would want. Uh, so again, this is a player that I would, I would, if I was being smart, uh, I would put ahead of Kramer Robertson. And as I keep doing this, I keep moving Kramer Robertson back on the list. You know, don't be surprised if tomorrow or when you open it up, Kramer Robertson is down to eighth now. Uh, as I talk it out loud, um, but that is. 21, soon to be 22-year-old Juan Yepes, who's making the most of an opportunity within the Cardinals organization, who you just can't give up on just yet. And I'm anxious to see what 2020 has in store for him. I'm sure he starts at Springfield, uh, and hopefully he continues to rake there. Number nine, number nine on our list is 23-year-old Raider Ascanio. Uh, Raider has played shortstop, he's played third, he's played second, he's played the outfield. Uh, Raider Ascanio was the prospect that the Cardinals acquired for uh, Mike Leak, believe it or not. They ate half of Leak's contract and got Raider Ascanio in the deal. There are a couple things worth mentioning about Ascanio. Now, I believe, and I could be wrong, that he signed, he's a minor league free agent, but I believe that the Cardinals re-signed him. Very, very important. Uh, Ascanio is probably the flashiest defensive uh, infielder in the organization. Man, he plays flashy. He's diving around. He'll make that like one-legged throw, that one-legged hop throw. Uh, he'll feel the ball in the hole and turn and throw it. He has a really strong arm, and I think you could argue that he's the best defensive infielder in the organization. Uh, one of the infielders we don't highlight here is Edwin uh, Figuera, and he might be too, but of all the guys that we're highlighting here, it's Raider Ascanio. Now, one other thing about Ascanio is that he is a fiery, fiery competitor. You know, uh, he tries to take every extra base that he can. He tries to smoke the ball whenever he can. 
He'll get aggressive towards the other team pretty often. Uh, he is a fiery, feisty competitor, and sometimes it backfires, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but that's how he plays. He plays with reckless abandon. You know, uh, we'll talk about some of the outfielders who played like they don't have a wall out there. Well, Raider Escanio plays like there's nothing stopping him from getting whatever the hell he wants, and I like that. It was nice to see Escanio swing change. Uh, it definitely, well, I guess the first thing you notice is instead of a little slide step at the plate, he lifts his leg up a little bit. That's helped increase his doubles and home run power. We like that a lot. Uh, and also, his it seems like he's committed more now to maybe driving the ball where he was a push hitter. These things have paid off. They've really paid off for him. Uh, at, at Palm Beach, he had a WRC plus of 101. Springfield was 105. Uh, he's not going to walk a lot. He had an 11.8% walk rate at, at uh, Palm Beach. I don't expect that. Like that, in my opinion, is something we probably won't ever see again out of him. That's a little high. Uh, I, you know, I think if it stays in the eight range, that'd be a miracle. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, but it was nice to see Ascanio uh, produce some home runs, something we really hadn't seen, and also a decent amount of doubles. I, I love the doubles. That was really nice. Of course, none of the power really came at Palm Beach, which probably says that his power doesn't have staying power per se, uh, but it was nice to see it manifest in the Texas League regardless. Uh, other than that, you know, truth be told, Escanio is is truly minor league depth. Uh, he's a lot of fun, uh, the kind of player that you would hate if you were on the other team, uh, but you love to watch. Uh, they have him listed at like five foot five, 155 pounds. I think he's maybe a kick taller than that, and I think he's a little bit stronger than that, uh, probably like 165 more than likely. Uh, but he's not the super big guy, but he's an all-intense, all-effort athlete. Who deserves a shout-out here on our list, especially for his defensive acumen? And hopefully none of you are emailing me or Twittering me and saying, hey, Escanio signed with someone else. He's not coming back because I'm clearly not doing the legwork. Now, that's number nine on our list, Raider Escanio. Now, that means number 10 on our list is Delvin Perez. And you know Delvin is a true shortstop. Uh, it's not easy for me to put Delvin at this list, but I'm not ready to commit to him yet as turning the corner. Uh, statistically, you'll see his defensive stats, and you'll say, oh, he had a worse year in 2019 than he had in 2018. That is not true. Don't let his fielding percentage or the errors, uh, don't let his his index uh, fool you. Uh, he was a substantially better fielder in 2019 than he was in 2018. He was also a better base runner. He was also a better base stealer, but he was also a better base runner. He also utilized his speed at the plate better than he ever has. These are all steps in the right direction for him. Now, a step that isn't in the right direction, uh, he's still the skinniest human being alive. At six foot three, he's gotta put weight on or else he's never going to hit for extra bases consistently. He, I guess at the plate, there are two different stories to tell about Delvin Perez. There's a story of Delvin who doesn't hit at the top of the order, who is not patient, and who looks terrible at the plate. And then there's a Delvin Perez that hits at the top of the order, who is patient, and starts to slug the ball a little bit. You know, that's another step in the right direction that we saw out of Delvin. He slugged the ball a little bit more in 2019 than he did in 2018. This was his first full season at a full season affiliate. Uh... And he did not fatigue out the way that we thought he would. That is a huge positive, too. It's just that this is a young man who's limited by his inability to put on weight at this point. Until he puts on weight, he's never going to hit enough. 
uh, for for it to be a serious option. And I'm not talking about 50 pounds. I'm not talking about 40 pounds. I'm just talking about 10, 15 pounds of muscle. You know, he is in great shape. It's not a matter of him being sloppy. He's in great cut shape. You know, he just needs to put bulk on. And it needs to be the right kind of bulk. Uh, I am really impressed with the year that he had. Uh, he just turned 21. I'm really happy about that. Uh, it, it just he needs to put more weight on, and it's just that simple. And until he puts weight on, I can't take him seriously as a top thirty-five prospect in the organization. You know, until he puts weight on, he's Magnuris Sierra, Sierra, the shortstop, which plays more than the center fielder does or a corner outfielder does. Uh, but uh, that's why he's ten on my list. I love the steps he took. In, in 2019, I think it was positive all the way around, although the defensive stats might not show that. Uh, I, I love that it was his highest WRC plus uh, since since rookie ball in 2016, uh, minus his short stint back in rookie ball in 2017 after he got the demotion from Johnson City. Uh, I just... It was a positive step all the way around, but even with the increase in extra base hits, uh, even becoming a more patient hitter at the top of a lineup when he's at the top of a lineup, he still was five points below the league average at, at, in the Midwest League, and that's concerning. And then the next question is, where does he go next year? Palm Beach? Well, Palm Beach eats hitters alive, so what happens there? Uh, I don't know. I'm worried about what's next for him. He's honestly the type of player that I wish the Cardinals wouldn't even consider putting in Palm Beach, uh, but it's honestly the smart move for him so he can work with Jose Okendo, keep him there all the time uh, and try to get the most out of him. Uh, I think that we're still going to have a positive 2020 season for Delvin Perez, a step in the right direction. Uh, every year since he tanked in 2017 has been a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Uh, and we just have to hope that he continues to make gains uh, like he showed between 2018 and 2019 and 2019 and 2020. Uh, but that is still 21-year-old, just turned 21 a couple days ago, uh, uh, Delvin Perez. The, the sky, I wouldn't say, is the limit for him. I think we know his limitation is I – think, I think we know by now he's limited by his body and his ability to put on muscle. Uh, but what we're seeing now is him turn on inside pitches and, and start to, to drive the ball a little bit more um, and increase his extra base hits. And part of the reason he's able to increase his extra base hits uh, – by driving the ball, especially that inside pitch, is he's he's showing bunt more. And people are trying to go inside on him to break the bunt. He's pulling the bunt back and slugging the ball. So uh, that is number 10 on our list, Delvin Perez. In my opinion, everything was a step in the right direction, and here's the hoping it stays that way. Our first honorable mention is Max Schrock. Uh, Schrock plays second and third. He's an average fielder at both second and third. Uh, H25, not protected from the Rule 5. There's always a chance somebody gets him. What we've always said about Max Schrock is Schrock is the kind of guy who is hurt uh, by his ability to make contact with everything. I, it sounds crazy. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, he's he walks a decent amount. He doesn't strike out a lot. What we saw is for the first time in his minor league career, we saw him strike out a little bit more because he understands now that he has to do damage if he's going to swing the bat. He has a great contact ability, but the contact ability, his ability to make contact works against him. The other thing we saw about Max Schrock is exactly what we said about Ramon Urias. You know, Schrock had a terrible first half of the year and then about the the all-star break over his last 145 plate appearances Schrock hit 318 with a 393 on base percentage and a 457 slug two home runs 11 additional extra base hits walked 10.3 percent of the time struck out 9.6 percent of the time uh that is max Schrock at his absolute best that's the kind of guy who has a major league future even if in a, a utility last man up type role uh, the Donovan Solano roles. I keep picking on Donovan Solano. 
He needs to continue to do that. Other than that, he's an average fielder at second, an average fielder at third. Little position versatility there. Uh, it just needs to continue to improve. It needs to continue to get better, uh, and hopefully that happens. You know, if, if all of a sudden he goes from hitting, uh, you know, two home runs uh, to hitting eight home runs, then we're in the money. If his if his K rate stays and his walk rate stays, we're in the money. Uh, uh, but he also has to learn how to not swing at so much. We saw that change a little bit uh, in, in 2019. Now it's a matter of swinging at the right stuff uh, and doing some damage with it uh, if he doesn't get selected in the Rule 5. That's uh, honorable mention number one, Max Schrock. The next honorable mention is Imeldo Diaz, age 22, played for State College, Peoria, and Palm Beach. Plays a little third, plays a little second, plays a little short. Uh, not super, like, he's he's just a really solid guy. He's like the, the junior version of Irving uh, of Irving Lopez. Like, probably not as good as as Lopez showed. Uh, probably a kick below that. We, he had a, so I guess the first part of this, in 2017, he was acquired for international money on the same day, I believe, or around the same time as, uh, from the Red Sox, uh, around the same time that the Cardinals acquired Lane Thomas for international money. Uh, bonus money from the Toronto Blue Jays. He had a really impressive 2017, and I liked him a lot. Uh, held back to extended spring training in 2018. Made a debut for State College. Could not get it sorted out. Played sporadically. Uh, you could tell he was out in front of the baseball. Uh, it was bad. He made a mechanical adjustment, and it's allowed him to keep his hands back. Uh, one of the mechanical adjustments is he gets his hands up a little bit uh, pre-swing, uh, pre-timing mechanism, and that's allowed him to keep his hands back. So in 2019, he had a very good season, and part of the reason was because he wasn't falling victim to the the breaking pitch on the outside corner or just to breaking pitches in general. Uh, I like Diaz a lot. I, I'm a little hesitant to like declare him over over like to declare him like a next good utility infielder in the organization because he repeated levels. Uh, he was very good at Palm Beach. He was very good at Peoria. All of those things are positive. Uh, we need to see him walk more. Uh, he doesn't strike out like an obscene amount, but 18%, 17% isn't going to cut it. Uh, and he just doesn't hit for a ton of power. So what you're relying on is extra base hits for him. He doesn't really hit for a lot of extra base hits. His bat is still light. He has a quick swing. Uh, not super lightning fast, but, you know, it's an average swing, you know, nothing nothing fancy, but nothing slow. Uh, probably doesn't have the bulk to hit for power, at least not Irving Lopez type power. So the best way to describe Imeldo Diaz at this point is just Irving Lopez light. He's a better shortstop than Lopez is, in my opinion, although Lopez is a pretty, like they're both average shortstops with just giving the nod to Imeldo. Uh, I, I, again, I, I like Diaz substantially better at third. Uh, uh, I think it's kind of a push at second two. They both could probably play the outfield. Uh, uh, they're both athletic guys who don't really have a lot of speed but are quick, uh, who have had impressive 2019 seasons who deserve to be highlighted. And here's the hoping that the very young, uh, still only 22 years old, Ameldo Diaz continues to bust out, and we're talking about him moving up the list this time next year. So that's the next honorable mention, Ameldo Diaz. Uh, the next guy I'm not going to talk about a lot. I, I don't really know a lot about. This is more just praising a guy, a, a 23-year-old, for an impressive stat line at State College, a level he was way too old for. Uh, Liam Sabino. Sabino is a, uh, a played a little first, played a little second, played a little third. He's nothing really more than organizational depth. But again, I just want to highlight a guy who had a WRC plus of 137 at State College. Um, uh, uh, who had a 137 plus 
uh, Jesus, a 137 WRC plus at State College uh, that has the ability to get on base and has a short little swing that can do a little bit of damage, who, again, should be aggressively promoted throughout the Cardinals organization. I'd like to see him start next year at Palm Beach because there's no reason to hold a 23-year-old back any further. Uh, let him be continue to be a utility player who can play an okay second base and an okay third, and I don't even know what the hell you want to call his first base, uh, but who walks a little bit, who has an advanced approach. No reason to have him linger around at State College. He's proven that his bat's good enough to be uh, pushed a little bit. At the very least, he should be at Peoria. Put him at Palm Beach and just see what you get. Uh, uh, th- again, this is nothing more than organizational depth, uh, but it's a guy who deserves to be highlighted uh, nonetheless. Again, I'm trying to wrap this up a little bit. Uh, we're on to our last man, 23-year-old Martin Figuero. Uh, Figuero played at State College, plays a little second, plays a little third, plays a little outfield, had an amazing 146 WRC+. plus. Again, uh, walked... 10% of the time, struck out about 17% of the time, 282 batting average, 360 OBP, 460 slug, uh, uh, four home runs, uh, four home runs, four doubles, three triples, and 139 plate appearances. Uh, the the thing about Figuero is he's small and stocky, but he has a really strong left-handed swing uh, that produces quite a bit. You know, uh, it, it's kind of interesting it's he's in total control of it and the bat almost looks too big for him uh, but he can do some pretty impressive stuff with it especially on the outside corner he has the ability of finding the barrel of the bat on the outside half of the plate i really really like that uh, he's pretty good against lefties he's pretty good against righties nothing substantial the other thing i like about Figuero, just like we talked about with uh, uh a pitcher uh uh uh, see, this is me. God, I've talked too much, and I've lost my damn mind, and here we are rattling on and on and on. Uh, Dalton Roach. Uh, Figuero was drafted in the 32nd round by the Astros of the 2017 draft as a catcher. Uh, wasn't going to stick a catcher, so what did the Astros do? They cut ties with him. He goes, plays for some bullshit uh, team in an independent league somewhere. Uh, Cardinals discover him. Uh, he's playing a utility role in the, in the indie league. Cardinals discover him. Put him in a utility role within the Cardinals organization. Uh, uh, bring him in in 2019 after spending the entire 2018 season in the independent league. Bring him in. Shows that he has a bat that is at least particularly interesting. Uh, that could probably carry him to an advanced promotion. Just like Sabino. Uh, and then hopefully the Cardinals can capitalize on it. But the fact that the Astros cut ties with him and the Cardinals picked him up only make me want more out of him. Uh, and for me to root for him. He's small. He's 5'11", he's stocky, he's not fat, he's short and stocky, no doubt about it. Uh, he throws the ball at a side, a side whip, uh, probably best suited for second base. I don't think he has much in the way of, uh, of super agility or he's nothing super fancy at short or third. Uh, best suited for second. Uh, but again, we root for him because if things pan out magically, uh, it's a total FU to the Astros. And we are all about giving FUs to the Astros. We're also all about highlighting the FU to the Astros. So here's to Dalton Roach, and here's to Martin Figueroa, uh, as uh, Figueroa, rather, as I'm, I'm an idiot. Figueroa, I'm an idiot. That's a different guy. That's Edwin Figueroa. Uh, Martin Figueroa, uh, we raise our glass real fast and say uh, F the Astros. We finish our list, and I've been ranting on for like an hour and a half now, it feels like, with a quick shout-out to 19-year-old Ramon Mendoza. Plays a little second, uh, played almost second exclusively at the GCL and, and DSL level, or G, at the GCL level in 2019. Played second and third at the DSL level. Uh, if you had to highlight one kid, especially 
uh, from an international signing standpoint that was most impressive at the GCL level, it, it's Ramon Mendoza. I'm not going to lie to you. I know nothing about this guy. I don't know how much he signed for. Uh, I don't know what his best position is. Uh, I know he's pretty well built. Uh, I've seen very little of his swing and very little of his ability to play the field. So that's why he just gets a quick shout out. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about him. Other than that, I was really impressed with his stat line at the GCL level for only being 19 in uh, in 2019. And if you had to pick one of the international guys, that's the guy I'd keep an eye on at you know from that level. A lot of talk about Jorlin, uh, De Los Santos, and Rafi Ozuna. Uh, uh, give me this guy. Like... I want to know more about him. I'm going to continue to research, find out as much as I can, and hopefully he's someone we can talk about in the near future. But that is the end of our utility player countdown. Again, I'm sorry for rambling on and on. I, I, I'm sorry for messing up so much stuff at the beginning. Uh, clearly, I wasn't in the right headspace. Uh, but I appreciate you for sticking around. One more time, our graduate is Edmundo Sosa. Number one is Ramon Urias. Number two is Brendan Donovan. Number three is Mateo Gill. Number four is Jariel Gonzalez. Uh, what we're going to do is number five is Irving Lopez. Number six is Chandler Redmond. Number seven is Juan Yepes. Number eight is Kramer Robertson. Uh, number nine is Raider Escanio. Number 10 is Delvin Perez. Our honorable mentions are Max Schrock, Ameldo Diaz, Liam Sabino, uh, Martin Figueroa, and Ramon Mendoza. Again, thank you. Uh, tomorrow... I think we're going to give you the first baseman. Uh, shorter list than this. It will be probably half the time. Uh, uh, if you are listening to this, you are part of the resistance. We really appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, and as always, fam, thank you for tuning in. You can find me at Twitter at KYLER416. Uh, you can find me on email at KYLER416 at Yahoo.com. Uh, and as always, family, happy hunting.